Hi, this is the Think Queerly podcast, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. This is what I do. I help deep thinkers and creators, especially queer thinking people, pursue their purpose and cultivate their potential to enjoy more acceptance, freedom, and peace of mind. Well, today I want to talk about something that some listeners might find very contentious, but I'm going to do my very best to work through it in a way that seems logical to me. In other words, it makes sense to me. And I hope you will take this discussion in the or this the, the delivery of these ideas in in the meaning in which they are intended um, to give consideration. So I'm calling this words are not violence physical acts of aggression are. So I really want to talk about this idea. And I think we have maybe seen this playing out more in the United States at college campuses and um, cancel culture and this misunderstanding of what various ideas are around things like aggression or violence or um, argument or discussion. And if we use words to communicate, they are just ideas. And to use other words to explain other words is the limitation of that very system. So if we don't have a relatively universal understanding of of important core concepts like argument or violence, then we could get ourselves into trouble unless we create new definitions or unless we come up with agreed definitions. But it seems that many people are using opinion in place of what would be accepted understanding of certain concepts. So that's just the preface here. Now, I think this is relevant because this plays into our acceptance, freedom, and peace of mind as individuals. Because if we are hoping to have personal freedom and, and peace of mind, we're going to have to understand concepts like violence and what they truly mean. So I can't help but think of the expression, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, the idea that insults and prejudicial or racist language is a form of violence is highly problematic. And I think it's something that others have solved. I can talk about here in the sense of trying to provide an understanding. Now, if we can change the definition of violence so that the simple use of words could be used to ruin the life of somebody else, then we create a slippery slope and there's no end towards a a permanently polarized world built entirely upon an us versus them moral and even mortal dichotomy. It's important to maintain a really clear distinction between violence and its meanings as a physical manifestation of aggression, hate, or rage, as opposed to the verbal, abusive, or hateful use of language that can be used to demean and insult or or even slander. Now, the former 
causes physical suffering or even mortal wounding as the result of physical attack. That would be violence. The latter, language, how we use language, it can be ignored. It can be walked away from. It can be internalized. It can be rebutted in the form of discussion, dialogue, or argument. So given those distinctions alone, triggering language in and of itself is not violence. Now, I want to, I just went into dictionary.com and I pulled up violence and the definitions. And there are six, and I want to talk through them briefly. Swift and intense force, like the violence of a storm. What we can see in the description that requires us to use words to describe what is a swift and intense force, well, the form can inflict violence. It can pick things up, it can break trees, it can smash in windows, right? It physically moves things that could cause some sort of noticeable physical damage. Second definition, rough or injurious physical force, action or treatment. That, I think, is really how we have to distinguish violence against one's, one's person or against a, a physical object of any kind. Now, a third example, an unjust or unwarranted exertion of force or power as against rights or laws. And an example is to take over a government by violence. Well, we saw that happen with the January 6th insurrection in D.C., um, that was a violent mob that broke in to the chambers and were threatening hanging all kinds of individuals. Then there's a violent act or proceeding that's kind of nebulous as a definition, right? And then there is a rough or immoderate vehemence as of feeling or language. And this is the subtle aspect of language. They use the example, the violence of his hatred. This is where I think we can get into trouble with language because we have to use other words to describe and understand other words. So we have to use the system to explain the system, which is not an efficient way of communication. So there has to be an agreement that we could use violence in this sense as a synonym for vehemence, for watching someone perhaps get so physically upset and red in the face that they look like they are about to commit an act of violence. So I'm going to leave those definitions there on the table that you can pursue on your own. Let's cut back into various types of language that people might consider violence. Take an insult, for example. Someone says something horrible to you. Maybe that's online, in Twitter, on Facebook, or in front of a group of other people. And you could feel shame. You could be upset. You could walk away and become depressed. Or you might be disgusted by that person or the words that they chose to use against you. You could also look at that in situ that situation entirely with neutrality. You could see the person making the insult as someone who is unhappy, um, as someone who is angry and not having the ability to have a calm, rational discussion with you. 
Instead, they have to resort to name-calling and insults. Now, we get to choose how we want to respond to words that are used in some way against us. And some of us might not have the intellectual or emotional training and capacity to do so in a self-loving, effective, or neutral fashion. But that is something that can be very easily taught, learned, and consciously practiced. I know for myself, the reason I do work like this is because I can so easily fly off the handle. And it is something I so much better manage in my life. But I used to take insults as a kind of personal attack against me. And we even use that language, a personal attack against me? Like, what does that mean? Is that a violent attack against me? Or is that just someone using words in, <laughs> in my proximity that I'm taking in some sort of offending way? We do not have to defend ourselves against words. We might choose an intellectual or an argumentative form of defense, but we don't have to. Now, when it comes to violence, we might not have the opportunity of defense. It might be thrust upon us, like we might be overtaken by someone stronger or more than one person physically. We might be unable to escape. We might be pushed physically into a corner. We might be knocked down and laid upon aggressively by somebody else unable to get away. We might have choices in the moment like nonviolent resistance, but that does not guarantee we will be able to walk away physically unharmed. And we may or may not be skilled in the ways of deflecting a physically violent attack. Maybe think, for example, somebody that knows martial arts. We may have never had a fight physically with anyone in our entire life. And we may have to, for the first time, physically fight back in some way, hoping to defend ourselves. That's a very different experience than defending your honor, your ideas, your beliefs, your opinion with words in response to other words. There's a really eloquent quotation attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt <clears throat> excuse me, that goes something like this. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So what other people say has absolutely nothing to do with you. You give people power over you if you choose to believe that their words can hurt you. And similarly, one more quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. You wouldn't worry so much about what others think of you if you realized how seldom they do. See, most of us are just thinking about ourselves and our own needs. And the words we use in the way in which we understand those words constitute beliefs. So if you choose to believe that words are full of violence, your life is going to be very challenging, I think, if you believe that words themselves can cause you physical harm, well, I would say that's logically problematic and wrong. 
Now you can believe something that's wrong or unprovable. That's... <laughs> but lots of people do that, let me just put it that way, without uh, digging a hole even deeper for myself. But, you see, violence is entirely another thing. Violence leads to physical aggression that could be hand-to-hand -hand combat or, more dangerously, with weapons from knives to guns to nuclear missiles. Violence can be one-on-one, -on -one. it can be group against group or country against country, and it most often results in physical scars, wounds, or at worst, death. Perhaps even worse is genocide, because then that's a handful of people believing that they have power over an entire race or group of people or, yeah, and of course, there is a relationship between words and violence, but the one does not equal the other. You know, just because someone says something insulting or aggressive or racist or prejudiced does not immediately equate to or lead to an act of violence. There is a gap or a space between words and the physical actions that lead to violent behavior. We can use our words to initiate discussion. We can use our words to um, commune with others and invite people into a dialogue. We can use words to create connection and community. We can use our words to express our emotions, understanding, or a willingness to compromise or change. But I can't use my words to cut open your flesh and make you bleed. Because violence, physical violence, maybe, maybe right now in this world we need to use those two words together. Physical violence is not about creating connection. Violence is about permanently severing connection or killing it off completely. You know, it makes me think of some of the... Um, going back to the what I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, uh, what's happening at a lot of college campuses in the U.S., um, um, people, professors, getting into trouble trouble for uh, presenting a lecture and not prefacing what other people are calling triggering situations. So a professor is talking about teaching something, for example, and, and maybe the subject of rape comes up into this, and they're not glorifying, they're simply, it's part of the broader discussion, but somebody has had a traumatic experience and now accuses the professor of not saying that they were going to say something triggering. And for me, I find that a real mental mess in the sense of, if you tell someone you're going to talk about something triggering like rape, doesn't the word itself cause the triggering in the first place? I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that. But if we're not able to have a fluid conversation, while understanding and respecting that somebody may have had a traumatic experience, but on the other hand, not being so presumptuous that the person who is bringing up something that may have been traumatic for somebody has no intention of harming. 
then we're not going to be able to have these kinds of linguistic expressions, these dialogues that create connection and discussion and understanding. So these debates, these subjects are not themselves violence. I don't know if you can feel violence on an emotional level in the sense or perception of a situation feeling violence. Violence is a physical action, a physical assault that is forced upon you. Words, discussion, require our cognitive ability to understand what the other person is saying and to determine an appropriate response. If we leave our prefrontal cortex, our thinking human brain, and move into one of our more animalistic brains and feel under threat in any sense, we're not going to be thinking logically. We may feel threatened. And that is part of the challenge in this situation. And that is very much the challenge in our modern world that is so easily polarized by social, not by social media. Social media certainly doesn't help polarization, but what I mean is it's so very easy on a platform like social media to attack with language and not take the time to fully understand all of the information, all of the dialogue that preceded the situation. And if we take more time to understand, and you see, we need words to understand, then we will understand that the words themselves are not violence. But perhaps the lack of understanding, the lack of consideration and respect for having communicative dialogue is what might lead someone to become so irrational that they would take on physical acts of violence. Whew. If this is something that you have struggled with, as I have, I hope this has been useful food for thought. And I'm interested in hearing what you have to say, if you have any questions or if you have any comments. But in the spirit of this episode. Let's do so in a way that is a dialogue. And until next time, if you can't think straight, think queerly.